0: You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. I am thrilled to introduce you to Wes Fallock, who is a senior creative producer at Squarespace. He works out of the company's in-house agency in New York City, where he produces integrated campaigns for the brand's domestic and international efforts. Wes, thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me. This is uh, really exciting. So uh, every great person in marketing and in and, and the role that you have has a great origin story, like every great superhero, like you are living in Marvel's center of, of New York. <laughs> I, I assume you don't get to see the Avengers Tower from your current apartment where you live. But tell, <laughs> us, tell us about kind of how you got to where you are and kind of your adventure in that world
1: thankfully the avengers are not here uh destroying new york i feel like that's always like the number one city that gets just destroyed in every major fight um but yeah my origin story um maybe not a superhero-like story but definitely a a sort of a roundabout way of getting into this business i originally started out uh i went to school for entrepreneurship i was uh, the son of entrepreneurial parents uh they ran a business out of my house growing up and uh it sort of was always ingrained in me, like, you you should never work for somebody else, right? You should always just make your own money, make your own path. Um, so I went to school for that. And I remember um, very early on getting there and just sort of realizing quickly that uh, these other kids in the class, you know, they weren't there to learn how to be entrepreneurs. Like, they had business ideas, and they were there to to work on a business plan, like, to the point where even – the first day, uh, they were sort of like, okay, we're going to start working on the plan next week. And I was like, well, I don't have a plan for anything. So <laughs> it called into question, uh, you know, do I really want to do this? Or is this just something that I thought I wanted to do? Uh, so ultimately, I um, I landed on marketing. I felt like it was a great hybrid between creativity and business, a little stability there. So I made the switch over, I think, like that first or second semester, and I, uh, I was at Northeastern University, which has what we call like a co-op program, which is basically where you take three, six month internship periods off of, off of school. You don't go to school at all and you work full time. And in that time, uh, I really started to learn what I wanted to do. So I started out as sort of like an assistant brand manager for Gillette, um, working on the, uh, their global razor business line and, uh, really seeing holistically like what marketing was all about, all the different components. And then I, uh, I started to realize like there's this partner agency called BBDO and they're doing like a lot of the cool stuff. This is the stuff that I'm really interested in. I went back to my advisor the next year when it came time to do that co-op program again. And I was like, okay, I wanna work for an agency. And she said, okay, we have one, go for it, apply. I got that job um, and it was actually a media agency. And I had no idea what the hell a media agency was at that point. So I did six months there learning the ins and outs of that business and then I was like, okay, I want to work for a creative agency. And uh, thankfully, I was able to get a job um, at Arnold Worldwide up in Boston, where I was brought on as like an account management intern. And uh, that was really what sort of projected me into the world of advertising as
0: I know it today. It's Amazing. And, and now today, what did it look like to go from kind of call outside agency or regular agency to go to be in-house agency? Because in some ways, like lawyers, there's regular lawyers and there's in-house counsel. In a way, you are the in-house marketing counsel of sorts, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's been kind of interesting because my my career on the agency side even evolved within itself. I started my first three years as an account executive. So working on client relations mostly. Then I was working at a, a really small agency here in New York called uh, Barton F. Craft 9000. And uh, we were sort of, uh, we were just short staff. We were small, nimble, creative shop. And there was just production work that needed to be done. And I just found myself jumping in and working on that stuff. And uh, I started to realize like, oh, my brain kind of clicks as a producer. And this is really interesting to me. And making that switch seem like something that wasn't really possible. But thankfully, uh, somebody kind of saw like, oh, he he can actually do this. So when that person left and went over to sort of like a digital production company that was trying to become more of a full service agency, he was like, okay, you can come over here. We know you know how to deal with clients. We'll teach you how to produce We'll go from there. So already in that world, I had made a big switch. So from there, it was sort of like understanding how production works on the production side of things at this digital production house, and then switching back over to agency and being an agency producer there. So I'd already sort of been bouncing around these different capacities of how this business works. And then moving over to Squarespace, it's been, um it's similar in many ways. You know, the, the job of producing big campaigns at the brand level, um, those are all, you know, very similar. The steps are the same. There's maybe even just a little bit less of that, you know, red tape and sort of like in-between conversations that happen between the decision makers and use the agency, which is great. Then you also have these other components of the business where you're creating a lot of micro co- content that sort of works in the in the like the bottom end of the funnel, which helps create conversions. And that's something that's been completely new to me and uh, a really kind of interesting
0: thing to learn, honestly. That's amazing. And, and I'm very proud to say you used a great Canadian, Kana Reeves, in one of the, the TV commercial <laughs> spots, yeah. which was awesome to see. Idris Salva as well, a great fan of Squarespace. <laughs> and, and full disclosure, and I think our listeners may have noticed that or seen that, but our Marketing News Canada website is built on Squarespace. We are big oh. fans ourselves. We, we love it. Our whole news platform is built on it. And, and I highly encourage people to consider Squarespace when they don't need really fancy stuff. Because I often describe... Squarespace, I often will say, well, if you could go WordPress, but it's like a Lego set, right? And then you could build it. You could build some really intricate things, but it's also really easy to break a Lego set. <laughs> but I describe Squarespace like Duplo. It's like if you build a Duplo set, once you build it, it, they look beautiful. They're gorgeous and it's gorgeous Duplo, but it's very hard to break and it's, and, and it'll always look good. It'll always be updated on the backend. And, and that's often how I use that description. But I, again, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that an okay description as a lay person to use?
1: Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for the endorsement. We're, uh, we're always happy to hear that we're being used out in the wild. And it's actually honestly, it's always amazing to see what people use a service for. And, you know, you having this, this uh, on the platform is amazing. Um, yeah, I would say that that's exactly right. We try, we try to build the templates and the actual site building functionality to be, you know, as foolproof as possible. So whatever you build on desktop, it'll go down to mobile seamlessly. Nothing's going to break there. And you're starting from a place of having just, you know, world-class designers who built the template itself. So it does sort of take the, the guesswork out of it. And, you know, pretty recently we actually just redid the entire site building platform. And we have a new thing called Fluid Engine, which we're hoping will make it even easier for people in the future as they join or upgrade their sites to just continue to make awesome stuff.
0: It's amazing. Uh, so, for you, in, in kind of the role you play, what's kind of the, the best parts of the job? Those that are considering maybe going in house agency and and looking at that as an option.
1: Squarespace specifically was always of interest uh, to me. I, there were I've considered going to the brand side. You know, many times over the years, who hasn't, especially on a on a late night at the agency where you've you know you're work, you're working an all nighter to get some deck together or some meeting that doesn't even happen the next day or doesn't go the way you wanted it to. And uh, there were very few brands that I actually ever considered going to, and Squarespace was one of those. Uh, just because I, I honestly just believed in the product, I used it myself. You know, my my portfolio was hosted on Squarespace. I did my wedding website on Squarespace. My parents' business website I built on Squarespace. So. Believed in that. Also, it just it was a company that didn't have any sort of like moral things to contend with. You know, we're not we're not expelling a bunch of uh, you know, we're not wasting energy. We're not you know generating waste in some way. And so I, I like that about it. And I just love creatively how just consistently great the work was. So you know, for me, I think it's it's about if you're gonna make the switch, really making sure that you believe in what that company is gonna do because. It's not like the agency life where you're going to you're going to work on one brand one month and you're going to jump over and work on something in a completely different category. You know, you you have to really be committed to doing it and
0: uh, and wanting to see the brand itself grow. So, yeah, that, that would be my, my advice if you're considering doing it. It's amazing. And brands that you follow and love right now, what are maybe some of the trends that you're seeing and, and things that you're excited about when it comes to kind of the creative and brand and marketing side of things?
1: I think in general, um, one of the things that I've really loved um, seeing, um, I think it's both a, a cultural trend and maybe a trend that we're seeing more in the branding and marketing world is just that it's more of a dissemination of representation in the pieces of communication that we're coming out with. And this isn't just, you know, a situation where we're we're casting people from different backgrounds and they're just sort of doing some layman's set of actions. And it's just like, oh, wow, we've got a diverse set of people here. And the brand you know, is representative of that. Brands are actually now telling stories about people from different backgrounds, sexual orientations, gender identities, and they're telling their stories authentically. And I think that that is a That's a huge difference that we didn't see, you know, five, 10 years ago. And on the other side of it, on the production end of it, we're seeing that behind the camera too, which is equally as important when you're trying to tell those stories. So it's no longer a situation where you have like a pretty undiverse bidding pool of directors looking to to work on your next spot. Now we've got younger people from different backgrounds with different perspectives and techniques, and all of that is just making the work better. So that's what's really been exciting me most over the, the previous
0: years. Amazing. And I want to give a shout out um, to Vancouver born Vancouver fan, um, Van City Reynolds, also known as Ryan Reynolds, who launched Creative Ladder recently down in the US. So it's not in Canada yet. Those that are at wondering and asking. But uh, an amazing organization getting more creative voices into the creative industry, so and more diverse voices. And, and I don't know if you heard, but recently uh, his last Netflix project he did, um, you could actually be interviewed by Ryan. It was like a, a set of interview questions, and his intention with that and his kind of commitment with Netflix was to get diverse people behind the scenes on the, his latest uh, Adam project.
1: Yeah, it's, it really it's great. It's great to see him do that, and, and he specifically has just been doing um, pretty amazing things in the world of advertising. And and it's really sort of disrupted uh, our preconceived notions of, you know, how much time you need to produce things, how quickly things can get done and how good they can still be. Um, so he's influenced us both in that way. And then, of course, the creative ladder. Um, so, yeah, I mean, things like that are hugely important for this business and how we move forward. So, yeah, great stuff. That's awesome.
0: And for you, what's maybe a campaign that was run at Squarespace that you did for maybe, again, I don't know if most people know this, but Squarespace is not just websites, but there's commerce you have e-newsletter, so many incredible futures, Unfold, uh, mm-hmm. an amazing app that you guys uh, acquired that uh, does so many things, but maybe a, a campaign that you ran that you're really proud of that you want to just maybe kind of uh, share about.
1: Um, you know, my first campaign that I did here at Squarespace, and, I, and I've been at Squarespace now for about um, just over a year, so it's it's relatively new. But we um, we shot the first campaign for the, the UK um, earlier in the summer, and this was... We had done work in the UK before. We have a decent presence out there, but a lot of the work was sort of repurposed from what we were doing in the US and Canada. And we, you know, maybe you add an O, uh, like an O and a U to a word to to be spelled like the British way, or (laughs) it was, you know, it was sort of like we were just like dipping our toe in there. So this, this campaign, we basically set out to do a truly, you know, UK based story. And, uh, the, the coolest part about doing that was we we decided from the get go like you know we're a bunch of Americans yeah we wrote the sad but there's no possible way that we could have nailed this despite all the research we did on the internet so the team and I decided really early on um, we we need to hire all all talent from across the pond for this one so everything from. The director and production designer to the editor all of that was done in collaboration with people out there and um in the end it actually ended up being like a, a very successful campaign for us and uh, it's a formula that we you know we'll probably continue to use in the future uh, just to make sure that we're always being authentic to the audience we're trying to speak to
0: It's amazing, and and when you look at Canada, it just on that. Do you see it kind of again? We're we're so close to America; we're America's hat, some would say. But is the the, what creative done in America works in Canada? I assume, or have you done anything specific that you've heard about in Canada?
1: I will say, like as a general rule of thumb, in in most of the stuff that I've done, where not even just specific to Squarespace, but work that intends to be run in the U.S. and Canada, Um, we do try to keep it, you know, pretty similar. I think that there is at least this belief outside of. Um, you know, French Canada that, you know, we're sort of speaking the same language here. But of course, when you are targeting that more Eastern seaboard over there, we've definitely done some things typically in the concepting phase where we're like, okay, we know we're going to need to translate this to another language where there's a different sensibility. And we try to think really early on about how are these things going to work? Maybe we don't rely on dialogue for this. Maybe it's more voiceover driven. And then we try to cast people who can, uh, you know, who are from the area who can really like land that tone that we're trying to land and also nuance it in a way so that it it feels special to them and it actually resonates with them. So it's
0: awesome. And in that process, I'm curious, like about, do you, are you starting to talk about like, Hey, we got to film this in portrait mode versus horizontal mode. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? And how, how is that affecting you? Kind of the the, the portrait mode? Uh, style. <laughs> it's a
1: good question. It's honestly something I feel like I talk about every single day. I was actually just on Slack <laughs> talking about how we need to frame something up uh, wider so we can capture it and uh, put a 16 by nine version on YouTube. But we also need to put something on TikTok or Instagram stories. Um, it's changed filmmaking in some ways because you have to be cognizant of that, you know, compositions where things are super wide, you know, they're not going to work if you have to do that. And there was especially been a trend over the the last five plus years of using anamorphic lenses and super wide formats that especially doesn't work when you're considering these other platforms. So we try to keep that in mind. We try to work with the media team really early on to say like, okay, what are we really going to need for this? And if that stuff is going to be part of it, then we need to be considering not only just things like how we write the script, but also what kind of director are we going to use? Like, is this director going to really be malleable and willing to do that? Because some of these directors from the old guard, um, you know, frankly, are, are not super receptive to that. Um, and it's becoming more and more a vital part of the way that we communicate, especially with younger audiences. So yeah, it, it's, uh, it's challenging in that way. It does sometimes bring up new, interesting creative thoughts that that are really fun. Um, And yeah, I think we just have to continue to push ourselves to make sure that we're not just like cutting down the main version for those things. We need to start making bespoke content for portrait because at the end of the day, like that's where most people might see it in certain situations.
0: And and how is it the challenge of like, I'm just trying to think of even how you described how you've used Squarespace, your parents' business you know, it's a wedding site, to your portfolio, to even a, a national newspaper, news outlet uses it. So how do you, like, do you do different creative for different audiences? Or are you kind of like, man, we are we are Squarespace. Everyone could be a customer of Squarespace, essentially.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. We have a team here. Um, they're called the Partnerships Team. And they really do a good job of sort of keeping their pulse on just really cool customers that are on the platform. So we're constantly just looking at at different sites and what people are doing with them. And like, on one hand, we're super impressed just from a design perspective, you know, with what they can actually create on the site, but also beyond that, like what they're selling or the services they're offering. So that gives us really nice insights into who is using the platform. And it kind of gives us a barometer of who we can then go after that maybe isn't on the platform, but they're interested, they they know about it. So what we typically do, um, depending on the brief is we'll break them up into categories. You know, you've got a a wellness category, you've got a retail category, whatever it ends up being. And we sort of try to pick out an interesting story from each of those categories. And we run a mix of different messaging with all of those different personas and categories in mind. And it's not to say that we think like, oh, okay, we, we want to go after, you know, somebody who runs a yoga studio. So we better show them like another yoga studio. We want to show them somebody who's doing something, you know, sort of uh, as a correlation to it, and let them sort of decide how they can do it and make it their own. So it's uh, it's not one to one exactly, but it does definitely influence the way that we we market things for sure.
0: The, the templates are incredible. Like I've got to say, like do you get do you guys ever get the say and because once you land on the Squarespace site and you see the template options like that, in and of itself, is incredible marketing to just know that that those options are available.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's our biggest differentiator. It's one of the best parts about working at Squarespace is that design is a foundational pillar um you know our founder anthony made that decision very early on in the process he brought on our chief creative officer um david lee who's a brilliant designer uh, and art director and um you know he helped anthony develop the product and those templates and over that pretty much from the get-go so uh, yeah, I mean, the, those templates, they need to continue to look great because that's what's bringing us bringing people to us. And um, when we're when we're advertising them, you know, we, we need to make sure that we're always like really showing the best, and brightest and newest templates that are following the newest design trends. Um, so it's a big part of what we talk about over here. And we really nuance every detail with them, both in the product and when we're showing the product in comms. But um, yeah, I mean it, it's great to hear that you noticed that, too, because uh, there's a lot of amazing people
0: that work on that stuff and uh, do a great job. And and this is a question, you know, the the source of data, right? And how data impacts creative, and 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 vice versa. I've got to visit New York a while ago. Uh, There's an office there for a charity called Charity Water, and on their wall they had like a, a Hootsuite dashboard, and on another wall they had like how many new wells, you know, got funded because they they funded you know creating wells in Africa, and they would have a they had a little gong or a bell that they would ring whenever something really exciting would happen. Do you have it where like? because ultimately like how many new trials are started and how many people sign up, do you have that number somewhere? And then do you watch that kind of up and down swing when you run different campaigns in different areas?
1: We do. Yeah, de- definitely. It's, it's a big metric. Um, you know, whether we're trying to just get people to sign up uh, to be on the platform for the first time, or are we trying to move people up until, you know, maybe they had a site, but their commerce is run on something else. How do we get them up there? You know, there's different objectives uh, for different campaigns, but all of that is very, uh, very closely watched and, uh, and monitored. And, you know, we, we try to use that to help inform a brief from the get-go, but we, we also try not to let that limit us creatively to how we communicate with them because we don't want to be too specific or feel like we need to hold a mirror up to them and you know, say, this is what you can do, you should do it. And it becomes like a product tutorial that nobody wants to watch. So
0: it's a balance. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's what I was, Yeah, that's great to know. We we currently have been using Threadless to do our um, like swag stuff, and then when you launched that new feature, we're pretty sick. so we're in the midst of integrating because you 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 now offer like a Threadless alternative, like a swag alternative that's actually much nicer than Threadless.
1: <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. yeah we uh, we just launched uh, custom merch, which is yeah essentially uh, very similar to that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an amazing feature where you can basically just upload your designs, choose the products that you want them to be printed on. And then um, a, your customer can go into your e-commerce store, pick that thing, order it. It'll be printed somewhere else, drop shipped directly to you, to, to the customer. And our customers, the site owners, you know, never have to possess any of that or deal with any of those logistics. So it's a really seamless process that uh, we're really excited about.
0: That's good. And, and the uh, landing page for yourself, so if you uh, are maybe a creative or you're Wanting to make a name for yourself and, and not just rely on LinkedIn, but you can get a, an About Me page as well, which is pretty cool. And using the Unfold app, you can add all sorts of great features to it, which is pretty cool. So,
1: yeah, yeah, uh, Unfold was was a really great you know addition to our portfolio. I think we're seeing a lot of Gen Z now, um, you know, and, and these influencers, you know, they're using they're using things like BioSites, Linktree, and and that's really becoming a way to funnel them out of their Instagram or TikTok or whatever following they have. Into their, you know, their more like permanent platforms, and where they, you know, monetize what they're doing. So, having a bigger ecosystem for our customers um, both brings people into the Squarespace world if they weren't already there, and also allows people who have had Squarespace for a long time to build that bio site and help funnel people out of their socials and into their stuff. So, it's a, it's a great ad.
0: I was, uh, last night I was in a workshop and I was explaining how the, the night before I was talking to two people who both are blue sheckered people. One's a big influencer in Canada. One's a, a national editor of a newspaper and both are, are leaving Twitter and I'm sitting here listening to this conversation <laughs> and, and they're wrestling with the fact that like, what do I do with my followers? Like, how do I get them over? Do I run an ad? What do I do? And they're just, it was just an interesting conversation to kind of listen to. And, but I was saying last night in the workshop, I was like, you are on borrowed land, leased land when you're on Instagram and all these other channels. So I, my big push was get a bio page if, if you don't want to build a whole full Squarespace site, but get people to your Squarespace site and get them to sign up for your e-newsletter. And the fact now that you have an integrated e-newsletter system and tool is incredible. So you don't need a third-party system or a zapier or anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that's a That's a huge way of staying connected with your customers, getting them on the site, having them sign up for a newsletter and then... One of the other features that we're now offering is a members only area. So an area where, you know, you could have, you know, specific content or products that are only available to people that subscribe uh, to your website. And that's another way of monetizing. So, um, you know, cool ways to continue to engage with uh, your fan base. And then, of course, you know, pulling them in through uh, a bio set is also a great way if you're on the other platforms outside of Twitter. So, yeah, you've got it right. You've got to, you've got to continue to find ways to stay connected.
0: Yeah, because I was saying, yeah, e-newsletter in your subscription site system is the only social channel, because you are socializing with the people, that you own. The rest, you're just at the mercy of an algorithm and what you you hope, (laughs) you hope it stays alive. It doesn't become another (laughs) vine that shuts down and... Yeah.
1: Right, right. And especially with Twitter, I mean, everything is just being pushed down the feed so quickly. It's so ephemeral. You know, you have full control of the look and feel of your e-newsletter. Um, it can be an expression of who you are and what you're offering. Um, so yeah, you're right. It's, it's
0: a great way to to help sort of build your own brand. Oh, that's awesome. Are you ready for a rapid fire here, Wes?
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah, rapid fire. Let's go. Uh,
0: here we go. What was your first ever job?
1: Um, My first paying job, and I'll, and I'll caveat that because I did work for my parents, like boxing up <laughs> products they were shipping out in our garage and random things like that. At my first paying job, I was a, a daycare teacher at an elementary school um, when I was in high school. And I actually, uh, I did it with five of my closest friends. Um, I mean, I'll say we were we were completely ill-suited to the job and probably terrible influences on these kids, but I still have some pretty funny
0: funny memories from those years. Amazing. It's like a daddy daycare, but like teenage daycare. <laughs>
1: Exactly. I don't know. I don't know who had the idea of giving high school kids a daycare teacher job, but uh, it was fun. It was a good time. That's awesome. There's always kids with memories of that, and like
0: this is the (laughs) best time of my life. I do
1: wonder, right? Like, I do wonder if they have memories of like you know us not watching the playground. We're like off in the corner using like the school's foosball table super competitively (laughs) against each other. Um, But yeah, you know, hopefully we didn't we didn't do anything too
0: uh, traumatizing to them. Amazing. Well, if any of uh, you have come to Canada and, and were taught, uh, maybe you had an amazing experience. and want to reach out to Wes at this point. And thank him for inspiring you to be a professional football player that you are today. So right. <laughs> there we go. Night owl or early bird?
1: I'm a night owl, um, although I would say it's, uh, it's not by choice. I'm just, I've never been a great sleeper at night. So um, yeah, the morning's become a bit of a struggle for me for sure.
0: <laughs> cat or a dog person? Oh,
1: um, yeah, I do love both. I've had both cats and dogs growing up, but I think push comes to shove, you got to give it to dogs. I mean, you know, no cat can ever smile at you like a corny does.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what was the first thing that you ever marketed?
1: Uh, the first thing I ever marketed um, was for my parents, actually. Um, so my parents, when I was in high school, um, they ended up buying up some land in Southern California and starting a, a boutique winery. Um, and we really had really no sense of how to do that. They just sort of liked wine and felt like, hey, what the hell, let's do it. It was sort of one of those situations where they needed a website, they needed a logo, um, they wanted to run print ads, and they had no you know, ability of using <laughs> Photoshop or any of that. So I ended up just sort of rolling my sleeves up. My, uh, I think it was my freshman year summer in college. And uh, I just sort of built all of that stuff for them. And um, I actually continue to, to help them with that stuff to this day.
0: That's awesome. Do they still have this winery? They do. They do. Yeah, it's called uh,
1: Gershon Bacchus Vintners. It's
0: in uh, Temecula, California. Shout out to that. We'll put, a, we'll put a link in the show notes if you're interested <laughs> just, in visiting. So I you. just took a
1: free plug there, but I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> it's
0: perfect. And, and in the same time zone as those in uh, British Columbia that are listening is. to the show right now. Um, dark or milk chocolate?
1: Milk. Uh, I know dark is better for you, but milk is just, uh, it's just better.
0: <laughs> um, what's your favorite word right now?
1: This is not work related at all, but uh, my friends and I have resurfaced uh, the the term "sweaty." Have you you heard this expression? (laughs) So,
0: in in what context? Yeah, give me the context.
1: So, "sweaty" is uh, it's how you describe someone or something that's like super proficient or good at something or. just really into it. Like, oh, like, hey. you know, it's, it's like it started as the origin of like people who play video games a lot and get really good at it. They're, they're very sweaty, right? They're, they're just yeah. constantly down there grinding it out. Um, and that kind of has proliferated in yeah. my professional life where you're like, oh, well, you're getting into some uh, pretty sweaty details over there with that technical yeah. stuff. But I,
0: but yeah. I feel you. <laughs> it's <laughs> great. It's perfect. Um, maybe it's going to catch on like, uh, like Fetch or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the next Fetch. What is the last charity you supported either financially or with your time and why? Uh,
1: my wife and I um, have and continue to support uh, Planned Parenthood. Um, you know, we obviously have very strong beliefs uh, with that organization. And, uh, you know, yeah, so we just continue to support them. And,
0: uh, you know, we have put our time into that as well. So it's awesome. a movie that you just love you could watch over and over again.
1: Oh, man. I mean, it, it is like an absolute film nerd. This is a, this is a tricky question, yeah. but I have been asked it before. Uh, so the answer I always come back to is uh, I love uh, Michel Gondry's Eternal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind. Yeah. Um, I, just, I just love the, just the performances in it, the way it's shot. Uh, and, and just the script reads like a really beautiful, well-told book, which uh, I think is
0: essential to a good film. Yeah. And I think it was Jim Carrey's first serious role it
1: was it was a huge yeah. crossover for him and yeah. um, I think probably one of the more successful uh, comedic yeah. to drama crossovers ever.
0: Yeah. Um favorite song or album on repeat right now?
1: So um so I'm I'm a bit of a vinyl head. Um you know, I'm always sort of crate digging around the East yeah. Village and often yeah. um what I do is I'll I'll find a new record that I've been looking for for some amount of years and um, I'll sort of pop it on the turntable and then anytime I walk into the house and it's too quiet or whatever, I'll just hit play. And uh, you know, sometimes I'm just too lazy to change the, uh, the, the vinyl out. So sometimes I'll just end up like literally listening to the same side of the same album over and over again. So right now, I actually just uh, got a really nice print, uh, original print of uh, Art Blakey and the Jazz Messenger's Monin, um, which I had been looking for for some time. And that's been playing on repeat for the last uh, month or so. But um, I, I do think my wife is starting to get sick of it. So it may be uh, on its way out or I might have to at least uh, flip the side or something. Yes. <laughs>
0: Okay, riddle me this. I remember years ago, a friend told me, if you listen to a record, it's easier on your ears because it's simpler the way it comes out versus the other ways we can listen to music. Is that true? Is that why we like records so much? It's know, just,
1: I, I, there's, there's something intangible about loving records. Okay. I think for okay. me, it's, uh, it's the tactility. Like, you know, the, the yeah. search of going out and finding yeah. something, being able to hold it, read the art, check the quality. And then I also just think that there's a presence to actually having that needle hit the vinyl and having it come through in this sort of non-digital way, this analog way, that to me is what, what gives it that, that warmth and that presence that I think is what people still cling on to a little bit.
0: Have you found someone using Squarespace yet to sell records?
1: <laughs> I, I haven't actually, but I'm sure okay. there's, there's got to be somebody out
0: there who's doing it. Okay, if you are, you could uh, pitch yourself to West to be in the next Squarespace commercial so that he can come and visit you and check out your record collection. That would be great. <laughs> Got to do a good job pitching him. Yeah. Um, if you weren't doing this job in another multiverse, what would you be doing with your life? Oh,
1: man, that's a good question. I, I've been doing some version of this job since I was 19 years yeah. old, so it's, it's hard to imagine um, what else I could possibly be doing. The only other job I had simultaneously with this um, was I was a bartender in college and I, uh, I really did love being a bartender. So maybe, uh, maybe if I wasn't doing this, I would maybe, maybe own a bar. I don't know. Bartend at the bar I owned, uh, you know, have my friends in there, that kind of thing.
0: That's cool. Like a Cheers, like a, a cozy, friendly bar.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just like a neighborhood, New York bar that people can come in and yeah, everybody just hangs out.
0: Yeah. Um, besides Unfold, which I know you want to say, what's an app on your phone you can't live without?
1: I'm going to say this, but I'm not sucking up just because we're on a podcast. Uh, Apple Podcasts for me is probably the most used app on my phone. Um, For me, podcasts have actually been sort of a way to like strike a health balance in my life. Years ago, I started running and I found that I I just hate running. It's excruciatingly painful, but it was (laughs) sort of the only way that I could get myself to do something. So I would just run as far as I could away from my house, knowing that I was too impatient not to run back. And then I found somewhere along the way that if I listened to podcasts while I was doing it, it would sort of make the time go by and it would distract me from how miserable I felt. And I felt like I was learning something. So I'm constantly listening to podcasts when I run um, some, some podcasts I even listen to like to go to sleep too. So yeah. for me, it's, it's something that i probably
0: use like multiple hours a day. Uh, and I love. It's amazing. I, I took up running during uh, the, the COVID times and I discovered Peloton had a running version. So I, they had a free trial and I fell in love with these runners. And actually, ironically, they're all in New York, like all, right. all the best ones. And so I'm like, <laughs> they're talking about New York stuff. And like, Hey, I'm just run- I'm running with you here. And it's like it was, it was amazing. And, and I've never seen any of them, but I've, I've heard their voices in my head as I run. <laughs> and they got great, they got great mixes, which is the best part.
1: I've yeah, heard. that's what I hear. I hear the mixes are really what keep you motivated on those Pelotons. I haven't tried it yet, but uh, one of these days I'll get on one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, favorite children's book?
1: Oh man, um, my favorite children's book. I remember liking um, "A Light in the Attic" by Shel Silverstein. Um, although I have to say, I haven't looked back and like reread it or, or had any sort of sentimentality to, to to look into it again. So I don't know if that answer holds up. But that's at least the best that I remember as of
0: now. Nice. Um, best thing you ever bought for under ten dollars.
1: Ah, this is tricky. I mean, I live in New York City. I don't know if anything is under $10. I don't even know if you could get a decent beer for under $10 unless it's happy hour. Um, best thing probably, uh, probably just like a good New York slice at a slice shop where they just, you know, pop it on a paper plate. And
0: you just like walk out and eat it on your way to the next place you're going to. Amazing. Okay, only in New York. Okay, again, I'm in Vancouver and it's, it's great. And, and I recently discovered we do have a place like this. It's an accountant's office. back door lets you into a bar. But friends took us to New York. It was like a convenience store. Like they sold like cigarettes and candy, but then the freezer opened and it went into (laughs) the most amazing Mexican restaurant I've ever been to in this like this basement. Yeah. Is is this a known place or is this kind of like, maybe it doesn't exist anymore. This was so long ago.
1: I don't know if I know that one specifically, but there are a bunch of places like that. There's uh, There's a taco shop just on the corner of my block that has a fake soda machine and it slides open and then there's a speakeasy in the back of there. You know, there, there's all kinds of random stuff where if you know where to look, uh, you'll find something. But uh, yeah, it kind of adds a nice novelty to it, right? Like you've stumbled upon something and it's, you know, it's just like a little special thing that, uh, that New York has to
0: offer. And it's a speakeasy? Is it like really low ceiling and really kind of big, cavernous? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, t- typically they're windowless, you know, yeah. candle lit. Um, yeah. The best ones have like a little jazz quartet in the corner yeah. or something. Um, yeah. yeah, if you ever come to New York, I'll, I'll show you a few. There's a there's a bunch.
0: Amazing. What's the most important thing you've ever changed your mind about?
1: This is gonna sound bad when I say it at first, but I have a I have a backup to this yeah. uh, marriage. Uh, yeah. My yeah. wife and I were um, we had been together for over ten years before we finally decided to get married. We were sort of that that young couple that never thought we wanted to do it for one reason or another. And then finally one day we were like, you know what, like why don't we just do this? We're not going anywhere. And uh, since then it's sort of just been this amazing, you know, unexpected comfort. Um, And I think it's allowed us both to really branch out and go after what we want in life, knowing that that other person is there to to support us in all situations of course, but also to call us on our stuff. when we're being a little ridiculous about it. Um, So yeah, it's been, it's been an amazing Uh, experience.
0: And I'm glad we changed our minds about that one. Amazing. That's a very, very encouraging and refreshing answer. (laughs) Um, Business or marketing book that you'd recommend?
1: Um, I mean, I'm sure you've gotten this answer before. I've listened to a lot of the episodes of uh, of your show, but I don't know if I've heard it yet. Um, Confessions of an Advertising Man by David Ogilvy was was sort of like a life-changing one for me, especially as a young um, advertising person fresh out of college, just, you know, reading stories about these these glory days back in the sixties and hearing their problems then and how they're still true now. And also what was important then and what's important now. Um, that really sort of helps shape my, uh, my perspective about how to approach this business. Um,
0: yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna take a quick side question for you. You can, you don't have to rapid fire this one, but how would you describe the difference and maybe the correlation between marketing, advertising, and creative? those three terms? Cause they're often used intermittently sometimes mistakenly by people, but how would you, I, I just like how you think I'm curious how you distinguish between the three or if you even do.
1: That's a, that's a good question. Uh, and I think going back to the origin story we talked about earlier, yeah. it's part of the reason why I think I ended up accidentally working for a media agency for six months. <laughs> um, there are so many different subsections of marketing. Yeah. Um, yes. and they don't always teach you that in school. And they certainly hadn't taught me that at that point in, in my education. Um, I would say um, all advertising is marketing. Not all marketing is advertising. All creative, oh, sorry, all advertising is creative, but not all creative is advertising. And so what I mean by that is that um, creative plays a role in all three of these things uh, and should, but there are gonna be other components of this, this business that we're in where creativity's influence just cannot be as much at the forefront, you know, shelf positioning, that may not be as much of a, a of a creative decision as it is a science and where things should be positioned based on where other products are and people's heights and eye lines and all of that. So th- there are definitely differences. Um, and I think that, you know, people don't always know that from the outside. So it's, yeah, it's a good question. That's
0: great. Thank you. Thank you for that. that was really helpful. I, I, I yeah, it's great. Um, podcasts, this may be a hard one Podcasts that you recommend to your listeners right now.
1: Um, I mean I think I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, yeah. i uh, you know if I'm out on a run, I would love to listen to something like Smartless or Conan O'Brien needs a friend or wait, wait, don't yes. tell me, you know something that's just more comedic or if I'm looking for more of a like an anthropological study or a, or a cool narrative, um, you know, throughline, hidden brain radio lab, um or if i'm um you know sometimes I'm like looking for you know, just what's going on in the film world and, uh, you know, listen to the big picture or uh, films to be buried with. So I, I kind of stick between those three categories, but uh,
0: yeah, try to like change it up as much as possible, just to, you know, broaden knowledge and all that. Have you stumbled upon Canadian Malcolm Gladwell's revisionist history? I have. Yeah, it's amazing. It is amazing. That's all, that's one of my favorites. Um, the intro to Radiolab, I love. One day I hope to have a cool intro like Radiolab's intro.
1: You've got a solid intro, I got to say. It's good. But yeah, yeah that, that one is a, it, it's got a cool little crossfady, uh,
0: you yeah, know, left to right thing going. It's awesome. Yeah. Newsletter or website you recommend for resources inspiration?
1: For me, um, you know, most of what I'm trying to do is, as a producer is keep my finger on the pulse with what's happening, you know, filmically, you know, both, um, in the actual, like, you know, feature and series world, and also in our, in our little corner of advertising and marketing. Um, so the biggest tool I probably use is, um, shots.net and extreme reach. They have a partnership where shots.net will, um, you know, show you the best work of late and then extreme reach, which has sort of a historical chronicle of everything that was ever made. You know, who was the director? Who was the director of photography? All, you know, all of that stuff is super helpful for me, not only to know, you know, who's doing great work now, but also to look back and be like, okay, like their reels have this on it, but, uh, there were a couple misses in here that maybe they're not talking about as much. And maybe this isn't the right script for them. Um, so we're just, we're always looking to sort of, um, find the next wave of talent or the next film technique or something. And often you have to look at what other people are doing to really figure out, um, what's best for your brand.
0: Life hack you're willing to
1: share. This is tricky. I uh, I don't know if this is a life hack or just more of a kitchen tip, but uh, I'm a native Californian originally. And as you probably know, us Californians are obsessed with avocados. Um, we, we live and die by them. Um, so uh, two life hacks you can do for an avocado. Uh, if it isn't ripe yet, you can put it in a paper bag and crumble it up. It'll ripen a day or two quicker. Or if you've cut open an avocado and uh, you don't want to use the whole thing, you can actually just squirt a little lemon juice on top seal it up in a, in a little Tupperware, pop it in the fridge, and it won't turn brown. That
0: is that is great. That's actually really practical. I've, <laughs> I've, I Brown paper bag, we've never done that one because I will get them sometimes. And they're so hard, but they, you can't eat them. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, you've got to like plan yeah. out, right? You're like, okay, do I want to have this avocado on uh, Friday
0: and this Monday? <laughs> it's really frustrating. So yeah, try the brown paper bag. It's, uh, it's tried and true. We've got a lot of marketing students who listen to the show. Marketing profs use this show kind of as further reading and kind of like research. Speaking to them, and and maybe even people are wanting to move jobs, what are the skills required in kind of this new economy that you look for in new hires and, and that you really want to stress for people?
1: Good question. Um, I mean, I think I'll speak to it more from a, from a production perspective, um, just because I, that is my world. And, you know, we're, we're always looking at new candidates and we evaluate them based on certain criteria. I mean, for me, the two biggest things are adaptability. And honestly, just a genuine interest in this business. Um, I say adaptability because everything is changing so often. You know, we were just talking about the aspect ratios and how that is completely flipped <laughs> in a way that nobody saw coming. You know, 15 years ago, and there's a further proliferation of uh, of just needs across different platforms and use cases. So, you know, my colleague and I were joking the other day, like the fundamentals that I learned how to produce. You know, on are basically not even applicable to half the jobs that I do anymore because things are changing so much. So you have to be adaptable rather than being stubborn and sort of saying, "Well, this is the right way to do it. This is the order of operations." Because oftentimes it can't be that anymore, and it's going to continue to to go down this this path. And I say a genuine interest because advertising, marketing, it's not an easy job. It's unpredictable. We don't have a crystal ball. The hours can be long. There can be a lot of frustration. So if you're not genuinely interested in this, the type of work that you're doing in this field, you know, I, I wouldn't get into it because it's, it's going to be a long, hard fought road to get there. But uh, if you get some satisfaction out of it at the end of the day, then it can be a really rewarding career.
0: That's awesome. That's great advice. Where can people find you online and, and learn more about you?
1: You can find me at uh, uh is my portfolio w e s f frank a l i k It's where you can find my work. I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, all with the same handle,
0: so Wesfalk. It's amazing, and I need to ask: Have you, as, a, as someone who lives in New York, is it is it a thing to people go and, and get to watch a live Saturday Night Live? Is that a thing your friends have done? Or
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I actually I got to see one. I saw um, I saw the episode Bill Hader hosted and. Um, Kristen Wig actually introduced uh, the musical acts and um, they framed up the camera uh, and I was actually right in the shot. So I sort of sheepishly, sheepishly turned around and uh, got into the back of the shot. And then like, you know, an hour later, I <laughs> had a bunch of screenshots from the, from the broadcast. All my friends were like, was that you? What the hell are you doing there? Yeah, so you can get on there. Um, yes. You sort of just have to roll the dice. There's a lottery that opens. I think it's like every... September, November, I can't remember what it is. And uh, yeah, it can happen. So just keep trying every year and you might
0: get it. That's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me. This was a, a lot of fun.
0: Everyone, this is Wes from Squarespace. Make sure you check out Squarespace. If you haven't, whether for your agency, your news outlet, your small business, your big business, whatever it is, tons of great resources, and they continue to come out with new features all the time. Again, MarketingNewsCanada.com is on the Squarespace platform. Full disclosure, this was not a sponsored episode, in case you were wondering. We're just big fans. And Wes, thank you again for sharing with uh, all of our audience today. Thanks so much. Thanks, everyone, for joining us this week on Marketing News Canada. We'll see you next time on the show. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors Travis Jeffers and the Podfather.
3: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies